Before we start the show, I want to tell you about Serve HQ. Every church leader knows that having trained and engaged volunteers is essential to accomplishing your mission successfully. But if you're like most leaders, you know how tricky it can be to onboard and equip people on your teams. People are busy, people are scattered, they're across multiple campuses maybe. But what if there was a resource that could make it easier, I'd love to recommend to you Serve HQ. Serve HQ is simple video training courses that help you equip volunteers and develop leaders. You can create your own training or use their video library. You can even automate next steps to onboard new people quickly. Check it out at servehq.church and the link is in the show notes. Servehq.church. They had a lady in their church and she had had ME uh, and it was pretty severe ME. So it meant that she was only in church once or twice a year. Very, very rarely could make it to church pre-COVID. So, but once COVID occurred, they, everything was on Zoom. And so she attended everything. You know, she was, she was at every prayer meeting. She was at every small group. She was at every service. And six months in, she said to my friend, who's the pastor, she said, um, I've never felt more connected to church. I've never felt more involved. I've always felt on the fringes and now I don't. And that is a, you know, and my friend like in tears is like, we're going to keep doing this on Zoom, even if it's just for you. And I think for me, that's a great example of where digital is bringing down the barrier for people. It's making it easier for people to engage. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is season nine, episode nine. Today on the podcast, we have Digital Church Toolkit. This is a company, a ministry out of the UK. And we're talking to one of its founders, Peter Murden, about what's going on with digital in the church in the UK and Europe and beyond. You're going to love this conversation. So thank you so much to our partners who are making it possible to serve HQ, where you can train your ministry volunteers, leaders, and new members online fast and easy with Serve HQ to Compassion Canada, who are lifting children from poverty and hunger in Jesus' name. And they have a gift catalog that we can get part of this season. And to Scripture Untangled, which is a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society. These partners, we'd love for you to support them, to check out the links in the show notes. When you support them, you actually are also supporting Word Made Digital. And so if you like the content we're producing, give a shout out to our sponsors and let them know that what they're doing matters. All right. Also, let me tell you about what's going on with Digital Church Toolkit. Who is this conversation we're about to have? Since 2018, they've spent thousands of hours supporting UK churches of all shapes and sizes, and they're a trusted training partner among some of the UK's largest networks of churches. And so they've been invited to speak and lead, and they're a voice in the UK around digital church communications. And they have learning cohorts, they do events, they do agency services, and they're doing this specifically targeting the uniquenesses of the church in the UK. So as we talk to Peter, one of the founders today, you're going to hear some things that are true across the board, but some unique things that we can learn from what's happening in the UK that maybe we can apply if you're listening from North America, Australia, wherever you may be listening, this might be able to apply to you. We love hearing from churches around the world and what they're up to. So please enjoy this conversation with Digital Church Toolkits, Peter Merton. Peter Murden, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm glad to have you on the podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, 
You are from, well, I found you via Digital Church Toolkit, and I immediately felt like a like-mindedness between what you guys are trying to do and uh, what we're trying to do over here in Canada and what you're trying to do in the UK. So before we go further, what what do you do? <laughs> what is this thing? So, yes, yeah, so Digital Church Toolkit um, is a, at its core, really, a training company that is trying to help churches and predominantly church kind of leaders or staff or volunteers in the UK adapt to and thrive in the digital age. And what that looks like is training on the whole. So we have a bunch of e-courses uh, and we also have a learning community um, all on subscription that people can, super affordable for churches here in England to be able to subscribe to and access kind of professional level kind of digital comms training. So that might be marketing, that might be social media, uh, Facebook ads, graphic design, photography, all kinds of different things, I guess, um, for church kind of staff or volunteers. And so um, there's that side of the business, that's Digital Church Toolkit. And um, now historically, Digital Church Toolkit's also been a kind of a fairly standard creative agency for churches. But in the past kind of 12 months, we have separated that out into a company called Common Good Studio. So we have Digital Church Toolkit, which is our training platform. And then we have Common Good Studio, which is kind of a creative agency for churches and Christian organizations in the UK. Uh, so that's also, that's kind of a all want all in so a full service agency so everything from kind of graphic design all the way through to kind of rebrands and marketing campaigns yeah and and i'm curious so like why the why did you separate those two like because that's interesting differentiation there's the training and tools and then separately from that the agency did you feel like they were meeting different needs like was it a different kind of church that needed the different things or you had a partnership opportunity or, or how did how did those get like how did um, those get divided out? Yeah, so I think it was a purely a marketing, uh, operational marketing. They're two very different businesses, you know. Mm -hmm. So running a training platform on subscription uh, involves one set of skills, and running an agency involves another set of skills. So you need two different right. kinds of teams. Yeah. Uh, the other reason was that it was quite a difficult, not a difficult sell, but you would go onto what was the Digital Church Toolkit website, and you didn't know what it was what it was offering you <laughs> it was quite a difficult oh, um, you know the, you didn't quite know how they were how we were going to solve your problem if you were a potential customer and so kind of separating them out made that uh, I think our positioning in the marketplace much more straightforward and um, the other thing going on was that of course, if you're a creative agency, you don't just have to work for a church or a Christian organization. You could work for a business right. or a charity. Uh, but when you're called Digital Church Toolkit, it, it kind of, you're automatically excluding yourself uh, from a bunch of people that you could easily work for. And so right. creating Common right. Good Studio allowed us to carry the ethos and the values and ultimately the destination, like what we were trying to do. But it allowed us to, maybe do that, reskin that in a slightly different way. And so uh, that was yeah. how, why that separation occurred. And at the same time, we, we, we went through a couple of mergers and so partnered with a few different organizations and kind of restructured internally. So um, that there was a few reasons around that, that the separation was always going to happen before those things occurred. We were always going to separate them out because 
we're just finding right. some of those things. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I can see that tension of, I mean, even just as you say the word church in it. So then, you know, a Christian charity comes on and says, well, we're not a church. Would you still help us? So I can oh, see, business I can comes see along, even right? at that level. You know? Yeah. 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 And so was this, um, I know a little bit of your background is that you and one of your partners in the business, uh, you, you guys were in California, you did this Bible school thing. Was this something that you were dreaming of even then? Like, is it like nobody else wanted to hire you? So you better, you, I'm teasing you. No, all the above. Um, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I have been doing this a long time. So, you know, I was running the youth group MySpace page. That shows my age, um, you know, 15 years ago. Um, and so I've always kind of, before social media was social media, I was kind of like, I think there's a, there's a, there's something in this. And I think probably since I was a teenager, I've thought about what would it look like to do, to offer these kind of services to churches and, I have, there's been a number of iterations of that. So when I was 18, me and a friend set up a business and it went pretty badly because we're 18 and, you know, who knows how to run a business at 18. We spent all the money on McDonald's and uh, didn't really keep any of it in the business, which probably meant that it didn't really work. So there'd been a couple of iterations of it. And I think I'd always had this kind of thought in my head, what would it look like? I think at the same time, social media was blowing up. You know, if you go back, five, six years ago, where the big brands started to really cotton on to social media that it was kind of the next, not the next big thing in marketing, but at the time it was, they were really starting to harness its power and the church wasn't. And I just got back from Bible college and I, what you know, the reality was, is I was trying to get a job and I had a lot of experience. So when I was out in the States, when I was in California, so I'm now in the England, but when I was in California, I worked for the, I interned with and volunteered for the, the children's pastor at the church I was at. And we, he started on 7,000 Facebook likes and within 12 months, we doubled them to 14. And so I had doing that and a few other things, I had quite a lot of social media experience. Mm. But when mm. I got back to England, trying to get all the agencies in the city I was living in to give me a job was almost impossible because my CV was full of this weird church stuff. Uh, and <laughs> right, like right, in England, yeah. that doesn't really clock, like that's not counted as valid experience. And so I knew I was probably better than most people applying. I mean, arrogantly, I was you know, 22 years old and a bit arrogant. So I thought I was better than everyone else applying, but I, um, I wasn't getting a look in. And so I, in some ways it was out of necessity, like I needed money. And so we started, I started freelancing very quickly, me and a friend from that I'd met in, in the States who was also freelancing, uh, decided to start this digital church toolkit and kind of it, it kind of snowballed from there, but it kind of has always been an idea in the back of my head. Uh, but then, you know, it was also kind of just no one else would employ us. So we kind of, you know, kind of had, had to make it happen, you know, but, um, so a bit of both, I guess. Yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of opportunity in church. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity, especially like, I mean, we couldn't have predicted or planned for this COVID lockdown thing, but then all of a sudden everyone had to go digital. Um, you know, what would you say is in this moment, like when you think about like your passion or what you get excited about, you know, get, what is the opportunity for church, um, in 2023, 2022? 
Yeah, I I think my perspective is that you know what the church has always been the church has always thrived and has always flourished when we have um embraced the cutting edge technology the tools that god has given us to serve him in our generation and so i mean the obvious example goes to the printing press and that kind of kickstarting the reformation but i think if you look at if you look at i think that's the most the most obvious example i think if you look at the entirety of church history the church is at its best where it um it doesn't necessarily embrace culture but it takes it takes on board what is happening in culture. It takes on board the tools that are being given to us to then use them for the gospel. Uh, you know, Paul at Mars Hill, that's exactly what he does at Mars Hill. He's standing there in a pagan temple and he finds the, the, the signals in that temple that he can use to preach the gospel. And so I think the church is always at its best when it does that. And so the tools we have available to us I would suggest in 2022, and I suspect it will still be true in 2023, are that, you know, digital, social media, um, Web3, whatever it is, they're the tools that God has given us, right? And so, yes, and those tools are exposure of what's inside the human heart. And so, yes, Mm. ill is used for them they are used for ill that is totally true but like when i have a five pound note in my pocket when i have a five pound note in my pocket the other people that have had that money could have used it for selfish ambition they could have used it to deal drugs they could have gone to a strip club they could have they could have snorted cocaine through it they, they, there's a bunch of stuff that someone could have done with that five pound note that i have but when i have that five pound note i get to decide what i do with it and i think it's the same with social media you know there's a bunch of stuff that other people do with it <laughs> for good and for ill but when the church has it we get to decide what we do with it and so if we're going to do that to preach the gospel if we're going to do that to shine a light uh, in the dark place if we're going to do that to uh, help people find and follow jesus then that is only going to help the church thrive that's only going to help the church uh, flourish and so i think that's the opportunity and um, practically speaking it's probably going to be different for different people because every church if i've learned anything over the past 10 years it's that every church is at a different place and at a different stage and so they're going to be um you know, some churches are like just about making do with Facebook and they're just about making that happen and they're doing really well at it. And so they've got no time for TikTok. They don't have the capacity or the resource for that. Right. Whilst other churches, like they absolutely have the time and capacity to, and the resource for TikTok. So they absolutely should be taking advantage of it. But, but that's going to be different depending on where you are. And so um, I think that, you know, the practical speaking on on the people listening here today, what that's going to mean for, for for those of you listening at home, I think is going to be different. But I think the opportunity is the exact same. And that is that we can help people find and follow Jesus. And when we help people find and follow Jesus, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I love that. And I'm wondering, because you've mentioned that you've, you've seen or worked in, been exposed to the context in a U.S. I mean, everywhere across the U.S. is not the same, but you've been in the American context, you're in the U.K. context, and that's really your focus. Um, lots about it is the same, but what is it, would you say, what's uniquely happening in the UK that you want to focus there? Because um, there are products out of the US that could serve in around the world, but what is it about the UK that's different? So I think there's two different things. The first different thing is the money available to churches 
is just wildly different. I, I think the budgets in the UK compared to the US, they're just in, we're just in different leagues. Uh, it's just different conversations. Uh, uh, on the whole, you can have more money in the US church than you are in the UK church. And, and I know that you, know, you might have some American listeners thinking, I've got no money. That might be true, but I know the budgets of some of the biggest churches in the UK, like, and they're tiny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the biggest churches in the UK, you know, the biggest, you know, literally on our books is one of the biggest churches in the country, and they have one social media person. You know, you've got that they're like the biggest right. church in the country, and they they employ one person to run their social media, and so yeah, um, that involves you having to give a different the solution and the service and the kind of problem solving is very different in that context. The other difference is that we're in a, if America think they're in a post-Christian culture, I want to welcome them to England because the post-Christian culture here is just so wildly, <laughs> like it's just so, it's in some respects, like Christianity is deeper into the fabric of society in the UK than anywhere in the world because we have the Church of England and we have the established church, which has been here for a thousand years. And, you know, we had the Queen's funeral last month and it is in, uh, it is in, you know, the, in, in a church. It's in, it's in, it's in a cathedral and, and everyone, you know, but most, you know, Justin Welby's sermon then was the most watched sermon in the entire world. So in some respects, it's, it's like deeply embedded, but in other respects, it's so post-Christian here that I think the way you have to present the gospel <laughs> and the way that you have to grow your church is so different than America. Um, I, I think it, I don't think people, even in cities that would be, well, I think if you talk to someone in New York or Portland uh, or San Francisco or Austin, possibly, you know, in some of the kind of big metropolitan places, you might be in similar categories, but in reality, you know, everywhere in England is so post-Christian. And I think you, the way you have to communicate as a church and the way you have to market as a church in inverted commas is just so very different. I hope you're enjoying the conversation with Peter from Digital Church Toolkit. Would love to tell you about some digital content that you may not know about yet because, you know, the Bible can feel overwhelming, confusing, or hard to believe. But Scripture Untangled is a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society, and they're bringing you interviews with culture leaders, leaders in ministry, and Bible thinkers to help you be inspired to dive into the Bible and understand it. You can listen for free and subscribe to Scripture Untangled wherever you listen to podcasts, like wherever you're listening or watching, watching We're Made Digital right now. And you can go to scriptureuntangled.ca for more info. The link is down in the show notes. I think that's really important for people to recognize that like not everywhere in the world is the same experience. And, and the American experience, I was just in Nashville recently um, for church communications and just recognizing, you know, you walk into stores there and they're playing Christian music. It's a whole industry of Christianity, which is, is not the case here in Canada really either. It's more so in the UK. And you're in the airport and they're selling like a Rick Rowan book and you're like, like it's like, or like purpose driven life is in the like special, like it's in the prime position or whatever. Like you just wouldn't see that in England. Like you just, you, you might, you might go into Waterstones, which is like the big kind of bookshop in England. And you might see an NT Wright book like on the shelf or for my Americans is Tom Wright. You might see an NT Wright book, but, but that's very rare. You know, it's really not. It, and I think that's just, sh and you're never going to hear Christian music on the radio. I mean, delirious. 
I mean, they're friends and and they never got played on on commercial. They never got played on the biggest commercial radio stations in in England. They refused to play them. So you had the biggest Christian band. They're getting in the top ten, and the the radio stations refused to play Delirious simply because they were Christian. That doesn't happen in the US. You know, like, like it's a whole industry. And so I think that, and that was the nineties. You know, we're going back quite a long time now. So I think that that difference in culture means you have to communicate in a different way because. You know, I, I use here, I use this example, you know, Billy Graham could stand up and say, you should get saved because the Bible says, and everyone will go, well, the Bible says it, it must be true. <laughs> In a post-Christian culture, you stand up and say, you should get saved because the Bible says, and everyone says, well, why is the Bible true? So the yeah, way in has book. to be different. They don't trust it, right? Now, whether they should trust it or not, it's a different conversation, but they don't. And that poses a question to the church in England and I, I would argue to the rest of the world at some point, because we're, we're, that's where the world's going. We, now, luckily for the church, that was the exact world that Paul was living his life in. So luckily, we actually know what to do because Paul was not living his life to a Christian culture. So when Paul writes certain things, when Paul says respect government, he wasn't talking about a government that, that he was talking about a government that had him locked up at that exact moment in time. So, so we have to, Paul is training us what to do in that post-Christian culture. Uh, so in some respects, it's, e- it's easy. It's not easy, but we know what to do. But I think that, I think that it's very different because the way you, as a church, you have to communicate, uh, becomes, you know, a very, very different ball game. Um, you know, I, I once yeah. did some yeah. Facebook ad training with a guy who was based in, I, I won't name a name, someone who's based in America. And they'd worked at kind of big church in the States. And this is, they were like, this is your Facebook ad strategy for a church. And they're basically saying, take your sermon and promote your sermon to everyone within a 10 mile radius or 10 kilometer radius of your church building. And I, I'm there like, no, no, that's not going to work. That might work in Nashville or Charlotte. Uh, or Miami, yeah, the but it's, sermon is not what you know, want. it's not going to work in London or Bristol or Manchester. It's just not going to work here. And so, um, yeah, that it involves different strategies too, because, because of the people you're communicating to are different. Yeah. And, and, and so what are, you know, what, what is working, uh, what, or maybe another thing, what are the, maybe the, what are the opportunities um, I, I'd love to get in, get some insight from you on like some real stories of like what people have done that's working, but for, first in general, like what is like, okay, we don't want to promote the sermon. What are the kinds of things that, uh, would in this post-Christian world that might be a way to begin that conversation with people? Yeah. So I think the benefit in England was so far away from a Christian culture that we have second or third generation people that have no experience of church. So here's an example. We had an alpha launch night at church, the church me and my wife go to. We had one a few weeks ago and I, we had some friends with us uh, who uh, I, I I don't, I, actually I do know the last time they went to church. The last time they went to church was to my wedding. Uh, but before that, I couldn't say the last time they went to church. And so, um, they were like, what? So they're in church. It's a jazz night. It's an alpha launch party. So it's like a jazz night and cheese and stuff. And so he, he starts asking me a bunch of questions like, what actually happens on a Sunday? <laughs> right. So his experience of church is so, he has no idea what actually happens. Well, that's actually really great because his, 
he has no idea what happened. So it's not like he has a bad image in his head. He has no image in his head. So that I think the first thing to say to you know to ink to right, they have no. There's no preconceived. There's no pre. Yeah, there's other, no preconception. Other than what they've seen on television or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely no preconception. They never experienced it. So I think the benefit you have there is you just have to get the basics right. Have a decent website that gives people some decent information. Let people know where your church is. Present it in a way that looks engaging and accessible. Um, get the basics right. And I think if you get the basics right, you know, I had it. We were talking to someone the other day, invited them to church. And I sent him, I, I was texting him and I sent him the Instagram account of our church. And he said, um, he said, oh, just me Instagram account looks like somewhere I'd want to go. We've got the basics right. The basics mm -hmm. are happening. Right. And so if you can get the basics right, you're then going to be present you're, you're presenting a, a shop window, I guess, into the church and into the community. And I think if you can do that, you're actually you know, doing really well. I think the other thing about a post-Christian a post culture and, you know, something like this Cultural Moment podcast is going to do this in a much better way than I'm going to do it. But but it the culture is searching because they're so far removed from Christianity. They've removed Christianity from the culture. So we're so far removed from it. The answers, the stability, the safety that Christianity and faith will give you are the very things that that culture is searching for. There's, you know, my, my you know, my generation, I'm, I'm, I'm millennial, but Gen Zs particularly, they're searching for absolute truth. They're searching for justice. You know, they, they have a cry for justice in their heart and they're searching for that. They're searching for, um, equality. You know, they're searching for all these things. And the reality is, is Christianity has that. And the reason they're searching for it is because they've been brought up in a culture that, that has removed the very foundation, which is Christianity, that gives them all those things. And now they're searching for those things because it's been removed and they can't find it. And so I actually think that we have an opportunity because we actually are presenting the, the answers to the questions. And so something like Alpha is going to be able to answer people's questions that they actually have because, because they're searching for those things, because they haven't actually been able to find those. That I've got friends and they are cocking. You know, my friend, I'm in my, you know, I'm hitting 30 next year. So my friends have lived some life now, right? And they're clocking that their life is unfulfilling. They're clocking that money, sex, right. drugs, alcohol, mm -hmm. social justice, none of those things are going to give them fulfillment. And they're clocking that their life is full of anxiety and they're not feeling fulfilled. And, and they're, they're kind of clock. I think most people my age are coming to a realization that there must be more to life than this. And so I think then when you can present them with, yes, there is more to life than this in a compelling way, in a compelling narrative, in a way that engages with them, that isn't, and I don't say this to dish Billy Graham. I actually have a huge amount of respect for Billy Graham. I think it's impossible not to, but you can't no longer in England hold up your Bible and say, get saved because the Bible says <laughs> you have to present the gospel in a different way. I think when you do that, people are going to respond. And so that's where the opportunities are. I think getting the basics right, um, whether that's on, you know, having a decent Instagram account, having a decent website, and we can get into the tactics and practicalities of that later. But I think if you can get the basics right and you can present a kind of attractive and engaging and accessible shop window and then you've worked out how to communicate and talk to the culture i think then you know the opportunities are endless right and and when you talk about the basics 
um, when, when you say this, so the web, like what are those, maybe if you could pick those top three things to get, get right, or just to, to do in a half decent way, you know, that doesn't look like it was built in 1998. Um, uh, I would go, I would actually, I'd be happy with 98. Um, so no, <laughs> oh, okay. I'm joking. Um, at all. <laughs> no, I'm joking. So I, I think, um, so there's three things I would be doing if, you know, um, literally I've sat with the church comms manager at my own church yesterday. So these are three things that I'd be doing. The first is I, I would have a decent website. I would start with the website because your website's own real estate. So social media is amazing. We'll talk about that in a minute. The problem with social media is um, it is it is rented space. You're renting space from those platforms for free. And so you want to make sure that you have something that you own. You have some real estate digitally that is yours. And that is your website. Have a website that, that that communicates who you are as a church really effectively. Please, please, please make it easy for people to know where you meet. You'd be shocking the amount of church websites. I mean, I go on a lot of church websites. It'd be shocking to you the amount of church websites I go on. And it takes me like five minutes to clock where the church actually is based. You're like, no, 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 you need to make that yeah. loud and clear. Yeah. Where are you meeting so that you can get people from digital to the door really easily? So just present the information that people want to hear. So church website doesn't need to be anything really, really special. Squarespace, something like that's going to do your job. You can get someone to build it like Commonwealth Studio, but you can happily go to Squarespace and do it yourself. You say website, absolutely. I would then make sure that we have a social media presence, which is giving people value. And that the number one thing I see churches doing on social media is it's a glorified notice board. It is come to our event, come to our event, come to our event. And they're never giving anyone actually any value. And if you don't give people value, you're not going to connect with them. They're not, you're not going to form an affinity with you as a, as an organization or as a church. And, and it's going to be very hard then to get those individuals to, to turn up to your event, you know, because, because they're just being sold to effectively all the time. So I'd be making sure that we're somehow providing some form of significant value, tangible value to our audience on the other end. And then I would have a really good thought out email strategy. So how are we collecting people's emails and what are we doing with them on the other end? And I think if you can do those things, have a, have an informative website presence, have a social media presence that gives people value. And then you know, you know what you're going to do with people's emails and how you're going to communicate with them. I think if you're a church and you can do those three things, you're, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be far on your way to uh, having a digital communication, like having a digital presence, which, which, is serving your church and serving its vision, which I suspect is to help people find and follow Jesus. I love this. Uh, what do you think it is? Like I'm thinking of a lot of churches are led by big church, small church, baby boomer generation is, or maybe Gen X is leading. Um, as you work with churches, what would you say is like common things that just people are not understanding about digital? They're like, oh yeah, we should have social media or whatever. But what is like, oh, but what is it behind that that they're not getting or the question that they ask all the time um, that you kind of just <laughs> that you just wish um, you could get out to more churches? I think they see it as a tick box exercise rather than something that they do all the time. So they go, oh, we've got a website, tick, or we stream our service, tick. Right. We're doing that, right. tick. Instead of 
thinking they don't do that with Sundays. That they don't go, we've got a church service, tick. <laughs> you know, you know, most churches are always looking at ways that they can improve their Sunday services. Most churches are always, you know, they're changing things all the time. And I and I think that that is kind of the mentality that people have around kind of digital comms. This is like a tick box exercise instead of something that they can constantly get better at, constantly improve at, constantly be tweaking. So that's kind of the first thing. The second thing is that um, they it's probably around streaming. So they're either of the opinion that we oh we do social media, we stream our Sunday services, like like it's like oh we do that, we're streaming, and, and I'm not against streaming, but I think to think that your the sum total of your presence on social media is that we stream our services is a little naive, and forgetting about the hundreds of hours outside of the when you're not streaming your service and they're not really thinking about how they're going to get people to watch it they're just going oh we stream it so you know we stream it and and so there's that the other problem i think there is there's a third problem which is they they think because they don't understand it and they've handed it to their comms manager that it's no longer something they need to think about so it's like oh no we've got it's delegated and they've delegated it and of course it has to get delegated if you're senior leader listening to this i am no 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 way do i think you should be running the social media presence because that's my fourth point is that they don't ask for help but the first the first problem often is is that they delegate it and so they don't they don't understand it well enough to be able to lead it they don't start understand it well enough to be able to engage in it and to actually know what they the tools that are available to them to help people find and follow Jesus. And so they kind of, they delegate it and disengage. I think it needs to get delegated, but I don't think if you're a senior leader, you should be disengaging from the digital world uh, all the time. Uh, you probably do need to be sometimes, but mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you can't, you can delegate it, you can't disengage from it. The other issue I then see is the people that just won't delegate it. You know, I've even seen it where people have employed people, but you know, they employ someone that actually knows what they're doing. The, the reality is if you've got a millennial or Gen Z in your church, they will understand social media much more than you will, particularly millennials, because they're just digital natives. They, 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 they get it. They're native to it, right? So they understand it in a way that if you're not a digital native, you won't. And I think that they... um handing it to them setting the perimeter setting the vision and letting them get on with it is actually the that instead often people try to get involved and micromanage and oh you're not talking about this you're not talking about that instead of kind of and that's the other problem is that those people haven't delegated and they're too engaged (laughs) and so they're kind of some of the kind of issues that i often see um I mean, I could sit and tell some some like practical horror stories, but I'm not sure that's going to be helpful. I want to take a break from the conversation with Peter to talk about what's going on with Compassion Canada right now, because here's what you need to know. Right now, the world is facing an unprecedented global food crisis. I don't know if you knew that, but the numbers are staggering. 
get this, 828 million people, that's nearly 10% of the world's population, were affected by hunger last year. And that's 46 million more people than a year earlier. So this is a growing crisis. And it can be really hard in the digital space to continue to hear and bear witness to more needs, more hard news. But there is good news. Compassion's local church partners are on the front lines and they are responding. There's a simple and tangible way that we can partner to answer hunger with hope. This year's Gifts of Compassion gift guide includes gifts specifically targeted at meeting the critical needs brought on by the food crisis. So you can give at compassion.ca slash shop, compassion.ca slash shop. So if you're looking for a gift and you want to do something meaningful or you want to include something extra to people, if you want to be a responder to what's going on in the world and this absolute crisis happening right now, go to compassion.ca slash shop. Well, maybe whether maybe the negative side, but I think on the positive side, I mean, it's making me think that my next question needs to be like, what, you know, can you give us some examples? Like you've worked with, whether you've seen it or you've worked with it. I know that you you send these weekly emails. I'm on your list. I love to receive them because you're, you're taking like, it might be like um, a Coca-Cola ad and you're talking about how, what we as a church can learn from you know, these, you know, the best and brightest who have lots of money to spend, what could we learn from them and apply? But so whether it's churches you're working with or illustrations from the world, I'd love for you, like, for you to help church leaders see like, what are some opportunities or like really break this down? Okay. We've got the website. We are trying the social media. We're trying to give this to someone and make them feel empowered. Um, we're trying to build an email list somehow, but like, what could be, like, this is a lot of work. <laughs> um, is it worth it? What are the opportunities? What is God doing through this digital platform? How are people um, finding Jesus, following Jesus? Yeah, I've got, I've got a couple of stories. So I think the first thing I'll say, only because I haven't said it yet, and so I think it's helpful to say at this point, is that, you know, every church leader listening or staff member or volunteer, you know, every church has three basic challenges. I mean, the first is that they want to reach people. The second is they want to disciple them better. And the third is they're trying to work out how they're going to afford it. Okay. So, you know, every, you know, and every church leaders meeting I've ever been in, every staff meeting I've ever been in, every board meeting I've ever been in, every church I've ever spoken to, um, that every issue that comes up could be determined into how do we reach people? How do we disciple them? How can we afford it? Digital doesn't solve those things. The only thing that's going to solve that is ministry through the love of God empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that there's no, there's no solution to that, but digital is a tool that can help do those things. And so I think it's really important to say that when we're talking about this, because I think people like me can sound like, digital evangelists, people who they think that digital is going to solve every single problem. And I actually really don't. I just think it's a tool that we can use. But some great stories. So the first story I've got is that I've got a friend who leads a church in South Wales. And um, at the start of, this was during the pandemic. So at the start of the pandemic, they put everything on Zoom. So um, church services, prayer meetings, small groups, everything went on Zoom and they had a lady in their church and she had had me for about 10 years so she'd been in the church a very long time and she had had me for for 10 years and so 
uh, and it was pretty severe ME. So it meant that she was only in church once or twice a year. Very, very rarely could make it to church pre-COVID. So, but once COVID occurred, they, everything was on Zoom. And so she attended everything. You know, she was, she was at every prayer meeting. Wow. She was at every small group. She was at every service. Yeah. And six months in, she said to my friend, who's the pastor, she said, um, I've never felt more connected to church. I've never felt more involved. I've always felt on the fringes and now I don't. And that is a, you know, and my friend like in tears is like, we're going to keep doing this on Zoom, even if it's just for you. And I think wow. for me... That's a great example of where digital is bringing down the barrier for people. It's making it easier for people to engage. You know, that individual, she is not turning up. She is not not turning up to church because she can't be bothered or because her life is too busy or because her priorities aren't right. She or this isn't about can't. lazy people who don't. No, yeah, no, no, no. It's not about she lazy physically, yeah. like, she couldn't engage with a non-digital most of the time without a non-digital presence. And when she could, she is engaging in everything. And, like, sometimes she is so ill. She's just got it on audio only next to her in bed because she can't move. Like, but she's feeling connected and feeling engaged. And, you know, in the UK, and I know this is true for the rest of the Western world, we've got an aging population. And people are living longer and are living with more complex illnesses than we would than we would previously. And so I think we're going to have to start answering some questions about what we do about that as the church. And I think digital is going to help us make it more accessible not than not. Another story I have is um, uh, 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 that they were a client of ours. Uh, again, this is actually from the pandemic. So they they um, they were a schools work organization, and so they they were working in schools. They were taking like Christian bands into a school, do a series of workshops, do a concert on the final day. A bunch of kids get sick, so that they were doing that. Well, of course, like COVID happens, and all the schools shut for like four months, and so you know they're they're unable to do that. <laughs> so um, and then a bunch of they had, they had budget and they had staff and didn't really know what to do. And so they ran some Facebook ads um, around topics that they would do during RE or religious, religious studies classes. So they would do classes around mental health. And so let's take mental health as the example. So they would take a, a video about mental health uh, that they had and they would run a Facebook ad on it and they would say, hey, if you want some prayer, reach out to us in the chat. And like they had thousands of people respond. Wow. They literally like they had to recruit volunteers wow. really quickly because they couldn't handle the messages and they had hundreds of people make like tangible commitments to Christ uh, like hundreds of people in follow-up small groups on Zoom who want to learn the basis of Christianity. So that's how I know that they're like tangible, like legitimate kind of, you know, they 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 provided an opportunity for people to engage and literally it was like they didn't know what to do with it, you know? And I think those two stories are, are, are two ends of the spectrum, right? One of them is about helping hundreds, if not thousands of people make a kind of have a, an experience of church, an experience of Jesus that, that otherwise might have not. 
and the other end is around kind of discipleship and community. But what they both are doing is lowering the barrier for church, making it easier for people to engage um, and using a, a kind of digital tool to do that. And I think that's where the opportunities lie for church leaders is you don't have to do everything. Actually, both of those two things were relatively simple, <laughs> relatively low cost, you know, a Zoom call, and they were spending a couple hundred quid on Facebook ads. So relatively low cost. And so, but they, the, the, once they made, found a way to help people engage with, with the gospel and with church, the result, the fruit of that was kind of disproportionate. And I think that's probably true for wow. every church listening that, that the, the other side of making faith or church more accessible using digital tools is a disproportionate kind of harvest, so to speak. I love that. That's the word that's standing out to me, disproportionate, that the amount you put in and what the potential is for it to grow, expand, go farther than you expected. And we were just talking before we hit recording this, you know, you were saying, where does this podcast go? Where's where made digital go? And it is this weird disproportionate thing where um, the main audience is Canada, US. And yet we've been hearing stories from over the last number of years all over the world of like where this goes, how it's used in classroom settings, in church planting environments. Um, you know, I, in, in one particular course, in a seminary course, this is part of the syllabus. I mean, just things you couldn't have expected. I mean, it's a different thing. But uh, once you put something on the internet, you just don't know how it's going to serve people and how it's going to help and connect. Um, you know, maybe as a one of our closing questions here, you're um, – you're doing a you're doing a conference coming up. Yeah. Um, why a conference? Obviously, live events or even you know live events in person or even online. They're a ton of work. Um, what's what's your hope of getting together? You know, live events aren't dead. I'm seeing you say so. Um, yeah, so what, what are you hoping? What are you hoping for? I, you know, we we started Digital Church Toolkit in May 2018, um, but really we blew up for obvious reasons in March of 2020. And so most of the kind of growth that we've seen, we've got over 100 people in a learning community. We've had nearly a 1,000 customers over those years uh, go throughout e-courses mm-hmm. and, and many more people on kind of the agency end. Um, but almost all of that has been, you know, from, from where we are today, I've sat in my kind of office slash living room and we have most of those relationships are kind of digital. And so the idea of being able to meet some people in person, the, the, the thing the pandemic all showed us was, was it didn't just show us the potential of digital, it showed us the, the limitations of digital. And nothing beats being in a room with people. You know, every church leader knows that. Nothing beats being in a room in reality as, as much as I think digital tools are really beneficial and really helpful. So uh, first is that was just to get some people in a room. Uh, the, the other thing was that I think comms people in churches and those I can only talk for, for my context are here in the UK is they are tired and they're worn out and they have had a really difficult two and a half years and they need some, you know, they need some respite, I think. And so to provide a space for them that was top quality event that was going to be inspiring and rewarding and refreshing for them was something we really wanted to do. And I think we felt that we couldn't do that, not in person, basically. And so um, that's the reason we're doing an event. Awesome. Okay. My last question is if there's, if there's, um, I mean, it's exciting. People can, from wherever they are, they can tune in 
they can join in, you know, online. It's maybe at a weird time zone for some people, but, and, um, and maybe just my, my last question for you is, um, okay. What is, uh, where do you want to send people on the internet today? Like to find you, to find all this work that you've been talking about that you lead. And then maybe just as a fun way to say, is there like a favorite follow you have on TikTok or Instagram? Is there like, if you're thinking of a church or a leader that people should check out, do you have one off the top of your head that we should go and follow today? Yeah. Um, so to find out about us, digitalchurchtalkit.com is the best place to go. That has all the information. It's going to have all the information about the summit that we just talked about that's coming up on November 24th. It's going to have all the information about our learning community and our resources and, and all that kind of stuff. So digitalchurchtalkit.com, that's the best place to go. And, you know, I'm a I'm a big Gary V fan. Gary V uh, is really what inspired us back, you know, 2000 and... 14, 2015, at the start of this journey for us with Digital Church Toolkit. So Gary V uh, is probably, would be my number one follow, um, but not everyone can handle the cussing. <laughs> that's true, that's true. No, it's true. There's high inspiration, some practical ideas. Yeah, uh, if you can handle how much he swears. <laughs> he set up a YouTube channel, and I think it was a no-cuss YouTube channel. I don't know if he kept it going, because I didn't... I didn't bother me but i think at one point he was clocking it was an issue and then he he had a separate youtube channel that was just him without the swearing um <laughs> so I, I don't know if he keeps it going now but but some people might want to check that out i yeah that's funny oh well, i mean it's hard if you're like you know i'm thinking of like you know if you're a 14 year old trying to get inspiration for your big entrepreneurial <laughs> ideas it's probably not what i want you to to, to tap into but no, it's so true. <laughs> um, you know, Peter, thanks so much. We're going to continue to watch what you guys are doing, inspiring, passion, excellence to serve the church. Uh, it's just a great encouragement to us here in Canada as well. And um, can't, yeah, just can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks so much, Digital Church Toolkit, for being part of the conversation here at Word Made Digital. Next week on the podcast, we have Jason Ballard. You may know him as a face of Alpha Youth videos that have gone into multiple languages around the world. You may know him from uh, CCLN, Canadian Church Leaders Network. You may know him from The Way Church. You may know him from something else. And if you don't know him, you've got to lean in. It was just a really rich conversation with him. You're going to love it. So thanks so much to our sponsors who keep bringing these conversations into your ears or in front of your eyes if you're watching on YouTube to Compassion Canada who is lifting children from poverty and hunger in Jesus name the new podcast scripture Untangled by the Canadian Bible Society and then Serve HQ where you can train your ministry volunteers leaders and new members online fast and easy click on the links below in the show notes to check them out if you support them it also means you're supporting this podcast but you're doing something to support the cause of God's kingdom's growth in the world so it's a good thing. We'd love for you to partner with them as we partner with them to support this good work that we're doing and trying to do around the world. Thank you so much for checking us out. We'll see you on our YouTube channel. Hit subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss these episodes, but also so you check out our other content that's coming out, the tutorials, the free resources, the other stuff that we're trying to bring to you. We would love to find you on our social media channels. We'd love to connect with you wherever you prefer to connect so that we can do that better together. All right, see you next week week with Jason Ballard.